Hello, this is Janet Gowan welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is Sterling Meyer, a woman I'm just meeting for the first time, but I did know a little bit about. And Sterling, I'm going to just, why don't you start off telling us the name of your book? Okay. So the name of the, my, my book is The AOM System, Manifestation Mastery in 30 Days. Okay. Now my question is, my first question, I was curious about this because of the title. It seems huge. It seems very far reaching. And I know that you were, are an actress. Mm -hmm. And what made you go, I, I'm guessing sometimes there's a personal crisis or realization or just flat out epiphany that makes a person change from one career to that of helping others find their way. Was this I love you? I love this question. I really do. And not many people even ask me. So um, I'm going to put this in a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to put it in a little nutshell, okay? So yeah. when I was very young, approximately mm, three or four or so, I knew I wanted to live an extraordinary life, but I didn't know what that meant, right? So there I was, like, I felt very connected to, if you could call it like the truths of life, I understood a lot of things, but I doubted myself because I took what my parents tried to tell me. And, you know, I remember having a knowing about something. And then my mother would say, oh, you know, it's like this. And I would think, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong because she's been around longer, you know? She's an adult, so she would know. So I just took it for face value. But I found that a lot of the things that I was taking from society and parents and teachers, et cetera, et cetera, were actually just not working. And that little knowing still was there kind of, kind of wrestling with the two, right? So I was like, that's not quite it. So I, um, I think that I was, I was accepted into Arts Magnet. That's a magnet school, kind of like Fame, the old TV show where you kind of audition right. and you were accepted. So I went down that route because I just felt like those people uh, seemed to be coming from a place of truth or an understanding that just the typical society wasn't. So I felt like I belonged there. And so I did how, that. That's how, you, that's how you got into acting. That's how, how I got how into acting. Get out of acting. So I got into that and I realized that, well, this isn't quite it. And so I, I actually, I spent a year in, in college studying psychology and I realized that wasn't it. That was before, you know, um, I, I was acting full time. And then I got an offer to do music. Well, I grew up with musicians and my, my grandfather was a musician. My dad was a musician. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. It feels like it's home to me. So I did that for a while. And all the while, the material that I was writing was very message oriented, you know, meant to really enlighten people. But then I took a break from that um, from touring, I was in a year, I was doing a European tour and I took a break and I said, you know, I got to step back. I got to look and see where I'm going. Do I want to continue this? So I took a year off and I'm going to just backtrack. Prior to that, I had created my system for myself. Okay. So that it was kind of a natural flow. It wasn't some. That's right. Battering, disturbing, horrifying. Okay. That's, that's, that's a nice path to follow. Um, yes. I, I want to ask you, you are just a girl after my own heart because I see that one of the things that you talk about is uh, writing letters uh, to pick what you said, 33 people 
to write letters to. We're going to talk about this. But I, I want to know, well, I want to know a lot of things. Can we talk about letter writing? What made you pick 33 people to write a letter to, to forgive yourself, right? Yeah, and forgive them. Yes. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's very easy as you, for me, and it should be for anybody else. When you're reflecting on your life, as I did, and I was like, how do I feel about this? See, our entire reality is really a makeup and a product of our relationships. And we have a relationship to everything. When I say relationships, they think like, you know, love relationship or parents or something. No, we have a relationship to every single thing we perceive. Right. And I have always part of part of the basis of what I do and how I started with love letters was I know and I'm saying that you do, too that every single experience in life, whether it's a good one, a neutral one, a funny one, or a really damaging, horrific one, has the seeds within it of a love letter to someone. Yes. And, you know, most love letters in my experience that I do are not romantic, although some are great. And they're, you know, forgiveness and forgiving yourself. If the only person you can think of to write a love letter to is yourself, do it to get you through some of those horrible moments that you go on and hear. So I, I was so glad. Why did you pick 33 people? Well, that was just the number that I came up with that I felt that I had a disempowering relationship to. So I made a list, you know, I made wow. a list and that's what happened. I ended up with 33 that I knew at that moment that I needed to transform those relationships from disempowering to empowering. And, and you've written to yourself also, as well as others? Well, that's part of the exercise that I, that I perform and that my clients perform is um, it encompasses, you know, what's the experience of the relationship. And an experience is just a perceived perception. It's not necessarily truth, you know, and then it's in, then we move into forgiving and why choosing forgiveness and what is actually the truth versus what is the untruth and distinguishing those things. And then we move on to like, okay, I, I, want, I want to talk about forgiveness and what that means because yeah. I don't understand, you know, people say people seem to be a little confused that if you forgive, you have to say it's okay. That's right. Not true. Right. I mean, forgiving as I see it is not dwelling on it any longer. Yeah. What do you, how do you see? And by the way, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm very, very firm on all forgiveness letters. You have to forgive, I think, without using the word forgive. Yeah. In, yeah. And what I encourage, because when you're the forgiver, you somehow set yourself. So it's a real art to forgive. That's right. The letter without saying, I forgive you. How would you go about that? I love that you're talking about this because most people really do not understand apologizing, the art of apologizing. I and know. Forgetting. It is such an art. And by the way, it's one of the most elegant forms of a love letter. Go ahead. How do you do it? You're forgiving well, somebody even for something horrible that was done to you. You know, abuse, molestation, yeah. somebody abandoning you. Yeah. How do you forgive without using the word, I forgive you? By distinguishing who they authentically are. Yay! And first, you know, with my clients, we distinguish who we inauthentically perceive them to be. Yeah. So like, for instance, you know, you have, I have a client just the other day and she said, you know, my, my father was so strict, for instance. Mm -hmm. And that was 
that was something that she distinguished that was inauthentic. And she said, you know, I realize you're not really being strict. You're being caring, you know, okay. caring because who would spend their time and energy unless they cared? So they're saying, do this, do this, because I want the best for you. Now, it might not be the best, you know, uh, effective means of getting the results that the father wants, but it's all he knows. Well, okay. So that's, that's, that's a wonderful, I mean, that's not, that's not one of the most horrible cases of abuse. Although I had one um, guest on Love Letters Live and she talked about how abusive her father was. Yes. And her father was so abusive. He was emotionally abusive and just devastating. The more she talked about him, and I asked her a couple of questions, she started to talk about the good times they had and the fun and how smart he, by the end of our time together, she said, you know, I could really like him if I let myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then she wrote a letter. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like with, when my case, I had, um, you know, a father who wanted nothing to do with me. And I had a stepfather who was very abusive and he was physically abusive, emotionally abusive. You know, one time I was simply trying to tell him that my sister and I traded chores, you know? So I said, oh, I didn't do the kitchen because my sister decided to do the kitchen. I'm going to do the living room. And he just started pushing me and pushed me down and kicking me in the stomach. And he didn't oh, want to hear goodness. me. And, you know, and it was very abusive. And you did, and have very, you did have a very difficult personal reason for trying to guide other people through this. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I've also had people, you know, a person that I really, really trusted who, you know, choked me so much that I almost died and I had an out-of-body experience. But these people, I can honestly say if they were in front of me right now, all I would have was compassion because of this exercise, you know, compassion, and I would have unconditional love for them because I would see who they authentically are and not who they're inauthentically are. And that's how I would relate to them because nobody wants to suffer, not even hardened criminals. They just don't understand a different way. All right. So you're just touching on something that is, I think, so important, which is the compassion part. Um, I had another, I'm going to send you a couple of links to the, but another man I know who was actually a bank robber. And I mean, he had a, just the most difficult, horrible life. His father um, was so physically abusive that this man as a boy went around pretty much full-time with the concussions. And at one point he tried to stop his father the only way he knew how, which was as he came at him, he stuck a knife in his neck, tried to kill him. You know, they ended up friends. Somehow this man, this young man, wonderful fellow really, uh, learned to understand the horror that his father had gone through and to understand it and to be compassionate. So he ended up close. Mm -hmm. That's just a miracle, is it not? Yeah, it really is. I mean, my stepfather pulled a, you know, machine gun on me. So, you know, yeah. But it's, I have absolutely, I mean, I have absolutely nothing but unconditional love for him. It's in, like, even in the preface of my book, I, I talk about the people in my life and how everybody had contributed. So there was those that gave me the unconditional love, like my grandmother, and they created that space or that foundation. It only takes really one person yeah. that allows you this, to stand solid on the ground so that you can deal with those challenges that come in. And you are, a, but the thing is those in, 
intruders in our lives are actually the ones that are our biggest allies because they give us the opportunity to grow. We need challenges. Without a breakdown, we can't have a breakthrough. Oh, okay. I'm so glad. So, you know, sometimes I hear people so concerned, a friend of mine, she was so concerned because her daughter was having a breakdown. It was so terrible. It was just awful. Her daughter was having a breakdown. I said, that's the good news. The good news is that she has refused to continue in this path that is going to smash her into a brick wall. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I like, I like what you're saying there. But the other thing is when you let someone else off the hook with one of these letters of forgiveness and you never use the word, when you let someone else off the hook, you're letting yourself off the hook because whatever hook you've got someone else on, you're on that same hook. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely correct on that. So you're not, you're not agreeing. You're accepting the situation, right? And you're allowing it to be, it is what it is. You're not, you're not agreeing with it. And that way you retain your power to be a cause in the matter, which is very important. So yeah, you're not, and I always say this, people say, well, you know, yeah, am I letting them off the hook? Am I saying it's okay? And I'm saying no, because here's the thing, you have to, you get to realize through this, through this exercise, you get to realize that they have to continue to, they're gonna continue to suffer until they decide to change, you know, direction, yes. right? So they have to live with themselves and the consequences of being inauthentic, being abusive, right? And they have to live with the consequences of that. And they're and they're that's how they show up in the world, and that's how they treat themselves. They're abusing themselves as well as anybody else that comes into their way because that's what they know to create. But they don't want to, they yeah. just don't know any other way. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back, you're just kind of evoking so many memories of all these things you're talking about in the very first workshop I ever did. There was a woman there. We talked, you know, for quite a while about letters and why letters and why handwriting, which I'm going to ask you about. And <clears throat> she listened. And then when it was time to sit down and start writing thoughts as a, you know, not a practice, but information gathering for what you want to say and how you feel, she looked up and she kind of growled. She said, can I write a hate letter? And <laughs> I said, sure, you can if you want. That's not what this workshop's about come talk to me before you start. She did. It turned out that she was feeling what she thought was hatred because this friend had just bailed on her, didn't answer any more phone calls, just turned away from her. It turns out in the conversation, it evolved that this woman, this friend who had bailed on her, had married, alas, a very abusive man whose first official act was to cut her off from all her friends, which is kind of a standard abusive practice. And it, it turns out that what she felt was enormous love disappointed, not hatred, and ended up writing her a beautiful love letter, essentially understanding the situation this woman was living, and ended up by saying, you know, my door is always open to you when you can walk through it again. And that's what you're saying about distinguishing how we feel about things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, getting in touch with, with your experience of something is very important because you're, you're unearthing that where the upset you know, stems from. 
And at the same time, it's important to understand that the experience of something is not necessarily the truth. That's why I always say two people go to the movies, one, you know, they walk out and they go, that was the best movie I ever saw. The other one's like, that was the worst movie. Who's telling the truth? Right. Okay. So, so you're, you're talking about another very important thing, I think, which is clear thinking, clear thinking, not letting yourself get muddled by hurt. Can't help it sometimes. Or, you know, elation. I want to talk to you about apologies, a letter of apology, which is kind of the first cousin to the letter of forgiveness. No. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies. There's a true act. There's a true art to that as well. (laughs) Absolutely. People don't understand. They go, oh, I'm sorry. And they think end of subject. Right. It's like I'm done. I'm done apologizing. I'm sorry. And they just flippantly throw it out there to excuse, you know, either that or no apology has the word but in it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I did that. But, you know, I was, you know, or I'm so sorry I did that. But, you know, you made me. Uh uh. Yeah, yeah. And I think the basic point of an apology is, I am so sorry I did that. You didn't deserve it. And then you can just elucidate however you like. And a love letter, like I talk about, and maybe you also, is a real love letter, is, I think, two things. Tell me what you think. It's One is putting your best self on paper. And you might ask, what is your best self? And I think we're going to agree on this. Your best self, I think is that part of you that sees the best in others? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. You know? We able uh, to identify that. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing that you say that identifying with others is because I mean, everybody's got kind of role models or people they, you know, really admire, right? And I tell people, I say, the reason why you admire those people is you see those qualities, that's you, unself-actualized you know you're resonating with it because you're like that's me that but I haven't experienced that within me yet it hasn't become a so that would, that would be kind of a nice thing to be able to say in a letter is you know I I see these qualities in you I hope that I can reach that someday yeah and and but you, you have those seeds you just haven't watered them yet you know so that it can yeah. really grow but they are you. That is a reflection of who you really are. You just haven't tended to that garden so that it can grow within you and you become it. And that's what, you know, this work is extraordinary because eventually you do get to the point to where you go, I don't aspire to be you. We are one. We are, you know, shoulder to shoulder. That's a whole other wonderful level of sophistication. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all it's all there to be tapped into, you know. But with the art of, you know, forgiveness, I think it's very important. People don't realize it. it it's like, for instance, I'll give you an example. This might probably explain it better. But it's like, you know what? I'm so sorry that I disappointed you because I want you to know that who I really am committed to being for you is someone who shows up that you can depend on. So um, I want you to know that. I am committed to being that going forward. So if you could please forgive me, that would be wonderful. And that would allow me to, you know, move forward and show up as dependable because that's that's what I'm really committed to. You give the person the other, you give the opportunity to the person to agree to that. Yes. What do you you think about, how do you gauge, because this is tricky and you see this a lot now. I mean, I must say without wanting to get into anything political, but you do see a lot of people who have committed really rueful behavior, regretful things, politicians, <clears throat> and they get up and they apologize. And you can tell 
it's not sincere. Yeah. How do you how do you gauge this? What what makes an apology a truly sincere work of art? When a person is able to establish to distinguish what wasn't working and why what was missing in them, you know, that so for instance if I say, you know, what's not working is that I didn't show up for you or I, you know, I I didn't show up, I didn't return your call, whatever it is, you know, this is what was missing. Mm-hmm. And I learned from it. I realized that who I truly want to be is someone who can be counted on. So, so should making amends be tied to that somehow? Yeah, right. Is that distinguishing what was missing and how it was their responsibility and how they're recommitting to being, you know, dependable or someone you can count on that kind of thing. You know, I had, I had a friend, I had a friend long ago, many, many years. She was a good friend and she really did something mean and awful. It was awful. And at some point, and I mean, it hurt the relationship. You know, we hadn't spoken. She called me one day and she said, I'm so sorry, I will never do that again. Right. And she never did. And the friendship was back on. It, you know, it takes, it. it takes really so little to repair things. Yes, yeah. You're right, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. It's that. Because if somebody is able to recognize that, yes. then it's sincere. There you go, yes. They're making it clear for themselves as well as you. Yes. So but it's hard to... Human beings have a remarkable way of telling when something's not quite right or mm-hmm. sincere. You, you talk about, um, well, okay, I have another question. This is so interesting. I know I'm going to want to talk to you longer, but we're limited <laughs> in time. What about <clears throat> making people, you indicate somewhere, you know, we're so on the same page about what we do. Um, how do you make a criticism feel like not something critical? How do you correct someone without making it feel like a criticism? That's an art as well. Yes, yeah. Well, I think that what you do is first you, is there's a couple of ways that I go about it. You know, there's a thing that I call a, um, you know, a possibility conversation. Or like say two people are not on the same page, right? And so you go, you know what? I've We've known each other for five years now and it has been extraordinary and we've had amazing times and we've had so much fun. Our relationship is really extraordinary. And what I see is that I think both of us are up to the same things. We want to have extraordinary times. We want to have love. We want to have laughter, right? Like, are are we in agreement to this? Like, we want to have an amazing life. Great times, right? Like, who's not going to say yes to that? Of course, everybody wants that, but you're establishing that. And then you go, you know, and then you can say, but what I find that's interfering with that is that you're, you're, you know, not taking responsibility, you're not acting with integrity, you're not being your word. And that interferes with us being able to experience all these wonderful things. So that's what I think is kind of missing or out of alignment. You do have to trust somebody a lot to be able to say that because in fact, that is critical. Yeah, right. But establishing that background and realizing that you're up to the same things in life and you're not saying you're bad or wrong. You're just saying this is what's missing. This is what's out of alignment that doesn't support causing what we're up to. So if we can, you know, if we can look to see at shifting that, 
and saying like, cause we're in agreement about what we want. So that's the only thing that's missing here. And so that you've set it up in such a way that we can kind of equate with that with a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Right, because it's not like it's you're not personally attacking somebody. You're saying that this way of being doesn't support, and we have the possibility of being anything and everything. I mean, that we're creative human beings. So choosing to be this way doesn't actually support, it's not in alignment to what we're up to. So I am, you know, making a proposal here. I'm saying, you know, I'm suggesting, and what are your thoughts on it, that if we if we are being our word, both of us, then it's going to work beautifully, right? So can we agree to that? You know, something along those lines. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you, in your, in your private work with people, uh, do you, do you meet in groups to do this or do you, how do you function? Yeah, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. I also have group sessions as well. I do weekends retreats. I mean, I work with corporations. I work with businesses and small businesses, large businesses, like anything from, you know, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel to Google to the Lifetime Channel. And I've also worked with like just entrepreneurships, small business boutique businesses so that they can really be effective. And everybody, there's no reason why a company can't have a lot of fun and, and be a joyous experience and be incredibly successful and productive as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. I've, um, Absolutely. It's so nice to meet kind of a, what do you, a, you know, a, a like-minded. We're kindred spirits. Thank you. That was the word I couldn't find. Kindred spirits. Yes. Yeah. And I love it. Thank you. Sounds like we're doing the same thing. Now I want to just do my little commercial for something, if you don't mind. Right. I hear people so often say, you probably do too. We may have said it. Oh, I just wish I had a magic wand. You know, when you're facing some kind of trouble. And my response to this is you've got one. This is it, the magic wand that will let you write just the letter you need to write to make things better. So I just encourage, like you do, for people to write those letters and handwriting. Do you have a feeling about that before we say goodbye? Oh, absolutely. That connects the heart with the mind. Oh, good. The okay. creative process, you know, typing is quite impersonal. This is a very personal thing. You're actually creating when you're writing. And people feel that when they get handwritten letters, you hear about it. Okay, thank you. I, I see, you know, I think handwriting is like really the thumbprint of the heart. I mean, nobody has the same handwriting. Everybody's got lucid and bright. It's something special when you do. You're something special. Thank you, honey. Thank you, Janet. I hope, I hope now that we've met, our paths will cross again. Absolutely. I would love that. Me too. Okay. Goodbye. Mwah. Mwah. Good care of yourself and take good care of everybody else you're taking care of. I will. Thank you Bye. so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye.